Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you folks uh, that we can gather today and uh, have the privilege of opening God's word and allow him, him to speak to us through his spirit. So uh, again, good morning to each of you. Maybe we could stretch a moment if you uh, just want to loosen up just a touch. That always helps to get the old body loosened up early. And uh, more importantly, we want to get our spirit in the right framework. So let's pray uh, that we would be open to his word. Father, we thank you that we can gather across different homes with a common purpose, that is to seek you, Lord, not just to get uh, more information out of your word, uh, but Lord, to have an encounter with you through your word. Uh, so, Father, we just pray uh, through your Holy Spirit that you would breathe on these words, and particularly as we would apply them, I pray uh, for each of my brothers and sisters, Lord, that as we look at different promises, uh, that you would highlight to each of us those promises that, that really uh, are what we need right now in our current situation. So, Father, we thank you for this, and uh, we come expecting to meet you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, <clears throat> Joshua chapter 16. I have some interesting words in here. <clears throat> so it says, um, my book, it says, the inheritance of Ephraim. <clears throat> Excuse me. Then the lot for the sons of Joseph went from the Jordan at Jericho to the waters of Jericho on the east into the wilderness, going up from Jericho through the hill country to Bethel. And it went from Bethel to Luz and continued to the water of the uh, Archites at Aroth. And it went down westward to the territory of Jephthites as far as the territory of the lower Bashorim, even to Gezar, and it ended the sea. The sons of Joseph, Manasseh, and Ephraim received their inheritance. Now, this was the territory of the sons of Ephraim. According to their families, the border of their inheritance eastward was uh, Artoth Adar, as far as the upper Beth Horon. Then the border went westward to Megmethath on the north, and the border turned around eastward to Tatan to Shiloh and continued beyond it to east of Geno. And I went down from Jonah to Adtoth and to Nathar, then reached Jericho and came out at the Jordan. From Tapoth, the border continued westward to the brook of Cana, and it ended at the sea. This is the inheritance of the tribe of the sons of Ephraim, according to their families, together with the cities which were set apart for the sons of Ephraim in the midst, and the inheritance of the son of Manasseh, all the cities with their villages. But they did not drive out the Canaanites who lived in Gazar. 
So the Canaanites live in the midst of Ephraim to this day, and they became to force laborers. Amen. I can't guarantee the way I pronounce some of these words, <clears throat> but they're absolutely right. They had some interesting words back then. <clears throat> but let's see what we can do uh, with this particular chapter. Uh, so what we need to be realizing is the book of Joshua. The Israelites are coming into the promised land. And as they're coming in, they're fighting battles. And they're defeating one city after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other, and conquering them. Started with Jericho. And basically, if you read Joshua 1 to 12, you see all the different areas that Israel conquered in the promised land. But uh, if you look at Joshua 13 to 19, it talks about, okay, now that they've conquered the land, they need to distribute that conquered land to the different tribes that are within Israel. And we saw in chapter 13, Gad and Reuben got their portion in a certain area, uh, 14 to 15, Judah. Uh, today in 16, uh, Ephraim in chapter 17, Manasseh, 18, Benjamin and 19, Simeon, Zebulun, Issachar, Asher, Naphtali, and Dan. So God gave to each of the tribes a specific area of the promised land. Now, you might be thinking, okay, that's nice. Uh, what are we going to do with this soap today? Because, you know, what's that really have to say to us in 2023? So I thought I wanted to take a different spin. Uh, that's important that they got the land back there. But I want to look at a different inheritance today for us as Christians. Uh, we're not talking about land that we're getting the way the Israelites got land. I want us to look at today the spiritual inheritance that God has given to each of us as born-again Christians. So that's going to be the, the different look today, not land. They inherited land, but we've inherited more than that. So <clears throat> I'm going to give you a number of verses today. If you have a pen and pencil, you might want to jot these down and then uh, take some time to actually ponder them. Uh, but let's look at our spiritual inheritance as Christians. Okay, uh, first we're going to look at, uh, and I'm going to, we don't have time for you to, to um, look at all these and turn to them. So I'm just going to give you the scriptures you can listen to me and then uh, look at them a little bit more in detail. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16, Paul basically prays a prayer for the Ephesian church. But he's praying not just for the Ephesian church back there. I believe he's praying for you and I today. And here's his prayer. I do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, he may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, Christ, okay? I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his coin. And here it is. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? You have been given a spiritual inheritance when you made a commitment to Christ. 
Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people don't know what that inheritance is. And because they don't know what it is, they're not able to access it. And if they don't access it, uh, they're not able to appropriate the blessings that God wants to pour in their lives and through their lives. So Paul says, I pray that you as Christians would get it, that you know what your inheritance is. Let me give you an amazing scripture. You might want to meditate on this one more. This is in 2 Peter chapter 1, and it's verses 2 to 4. So here's what Peter says under the anointing of the Spirit. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Seeing, now this is, this is a very powerful scripture, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and to godliness. God has, it says right here, God has given to you and I his divine power. He has granted to us. This is a past tense. It's not that he's going to give it to you someday in the future. He's giving it to you right now. He has granted it in the past, and he wants you to appropriate it in the present. Seeing that his divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these, he has granted us his precious and magnificent promises in order that by them you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. So I believe what he's saying here is God wants us to have a full godly life and to appropriate that life. He's given us many different promises, and we're going to look at them in just a moment. But I want to give you one other scripture <clears throat> as a, an intro. This is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Um, Paul says this, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Again, this is not something that's going into the future. It says, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Paul says, you have been blessed with heavenly blessings. And he says, with every spiritual blessing. So let's put it this way. You have a spiritual bank account. When you're born again, you've given your life to Christ. You've trusted him as your savior and as your Lord. God has deposited just the way you would deposit money in a physical bank. And you have to go to the bank and you have to write a check and a check. You can then get the money out of the bank. What I hear God saying as he has blessed us with unbelievable things. We've been given an inheritance. It's in the bank, and God's waiting for us to write checks, to make withdrawals, and to be able to appropriate all that he has given us. Now, an overview, when we looked at uh, how we are able to get this spiritual inheritance, I believe it's through many, many, many promises. Promise, there's are literally probably People have said there's thousands of promises that God has given us in the word of God. <clears throat> I'm going to give you an overview promise. 
Uh, this is in Philippians chapter 419. And Paul said this, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> Excuse me. My God, Paul has this relationship with the Lord, not a impersonal relationship. He says, my God, the God I know personally, my God shall supply, what's he say? All your needs. Okay. All your needs, not all your wants. And that's where maybe it's a little hard to decipher this because sometimes we get mixed up between what we think is our wants and our needs, and they kind of get scrambled. But I'm going to try to unpack some of these needs today that you and I have needs of. Um, so I got, I don't know, maybe about, oh, it looks like about maybe 16 or 17 of these needs that God has deposited in your account, the ability to have those needs met. Okay, number one, forgiveness. That's a need, okay? We've all sinned. The Bible said we've all fallen short of God. We sin at different times. We need forgiveness. <clears throat> it says this in Ephesians chapter 1, 7, in him, okay, in Christ, we have redemption. How? Through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses. That verse says, because Jesus took your price, my price, he paid that price on the cross, bore our sins, bore our guilt, bore our shame. And because he did all that, he's paid the price. And because of that, our slate can be washed clean. We can have forgiveness. There's a great verse that gives that uh, in a little bit more detail. And that is in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he, <clears throat> God, is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is a promise, no matter what sin you may have committed. And I know people have carried some sins for years upon years upon years, almost like uh, somebody on the chain gang carries this ball and chain, and they drag it through their entire life, this sense of guilt. It's like a black cloud that's over their head. I want you to know one of the things as a Christian in your spiritual bank account and your inheritance is the forgiveness of any sin you've committed, any sin. The only sin God cannot forgive is the one you won't let him forgive. Okay? Whatever it is, how do we get forgiveness? He said it very clear. There are, by the way, conditions to these promises. If we confess our sins, okay? If we own up to them, if we're willing to turn from them, if we confess our sins, then God says, I'm faithful, and I'm righteous, and I'll forgive your sins, and I'll, I'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness, as if you've never sinned, okay? That's one of the blessings God has put in your spiritual bank account, and I hope today there's nobody leaves this study with a sense of guilt. You do not have to. It's, it's there. You have to write a check and make the withdrawal and say, thank you, Lord, you paid the price. 
another one of your spiritual inheritances is freedom from bondages. <clears throat> Excuse me. Freedom from bondages. Luke chapter 418. Jesus said this. God has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. Release of the captives. Uh, how does he do that? Romans 8, 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. The Lord is saying very clearly, he does not want us in a bondage situation as we go through life. A bondage to alcohol, to drugs, to pornography, to overeating. You name whatever kind of a bondage it is that holds people tight. God has very clearly said in these promises, I want you free. So just realize if that's something in your life that you just can't snap the, the, the chains that are holding you, realize one of the things that God has put in your spiritual bank account is the ability to have a freedom from any bondage that you may be wrestling with today. So as I said, I don't know, as I go through these promises, find out the ones that speak to you where you are today. And as we end today, we'll look at how do we appropriate them? How do we take them from the bank and take them and make them our own? Okay. So God wants to forgive our sins. He wants to free us from bondages. Uh, the third one I, I see that he promises is that he wants to mend broken hearts. Isaiah 61.1. Jesus is quoting it. He has sent me to bind up the broken hearted. So I, I, I asked the question today, does anybody have a broken heart? Life is not easy. Uh, and people can do some really mean things within the immediate nuclear family. Um, some mean things with friends. Uh, we've been hearing about the messy church. Man, people have been hurt at church. People's hearts have been broken by what people say with their mouth, what they do. But I hear God saying, hey, one of those spiritual benefits that is yours as a Christian is I'm willing to heal any hurt that you have. Mental, emotional pain, where your heart feels like it's literally been broken. God basically says in that promise, I want to heal your broken heart. There's a great verse that kind of ties in with that. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. God says, I am the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. So when you're going through the ringer, and life is tough, and life is hard, God says, guess what? I'm with you in this thing. And I'm with you in these hard times. And I'm with you when the tears are flowing. And I want to comfort you in the midst of your pain. So God, I believe, has given the promise. I want to mend a broken heart. Also, another promise that God gave is abundant life. John 10.10. 10, Jesus said this, the thief comes only to what? Steal kill and destroy. That's Satan's objective, to wipe you out, literally to steal the promises, to steal the blessings. That's what he's after. He wants to steal them. He wants to knock us out. He wants to destroy us, to kill us if he can. 
that's Satan's objective. But Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it what? Abundantly. That is, that is literally a promise that God gives to you as a Christian. It's not a problem-free life. Nobody has a problem-free life. Nobody. Nobody on the screen. But I do believe God wants us to have a life that's full and a life that's satisfying. That has been literally been put in your spiritual bank account waiting for you to appropriate in your everyday life. Healing. Psalm 103, verses 2 to 3. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Who pardons all your iniquities? We looked at that. But then he goes on, he says, who heals all your diseases? I don't have an understanding why God does not always seemingly heal physically. I, I don't understand it all. But I do believe we should lean in the direction that God would want us well physically. We function much better physically. I don't think we operate well when we're sick and we have the flu or we have COVID. I think God's overall plan is that we would be well and strong physically, whether that's a direct supernatural touch of God on our body, whether it's going through a doctor, whether it's using medication. But ideally, God's best will, I believe, is healing. There are cases that we don't understand. People go through very hard. Johnny Erickson, a paraplegic, has not been healed. But God's got a lot of glory through her weakness and her illness. But overall, I think we can be in alignment with God to say, Lord, I want to be healed. Another promise that God gives us, um, this is in Hebrews chapter 4, 9. Uh, there remains, therefore, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. How do you live your life? Do you feel deep down a sense of rest? Or are you kind of just running around like a crazy person, like a chicken with its heads off, and I'm running here, I'm running there, I'm anxious, I'm straining, I'm struggling to live the Christian life, I'm sweating, this isn't fun, I got to keep all these commandments, and we're almost like a hamster on a wheel going round, 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 round. One of the promises that God gives you is he wants you to experience a supernatural rest, to kind of walk in his spirit in a slow fashion, not darting here and there, but literally not just to have a Sabbath day of rest, but to live, in a sense, a restful life in Christ, trusting him to give you his peace, his joy. Rest. There's another one. I believe God has given us in our account strength. Paul says in Philippians 4.13, I don't think he is the only person that God meant this for. I think this is for Christians. Paul says, uh, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do all things. God will give me the strength I need in any given situation. Um, he put it also this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 12.9. The Lord said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Paul learned to access what was in the spiritual bank account. And when he was becoming weak and tired, he literally learned to tap into the supernatural strength that flowed from Christ into him, almost like uh, when we think of the vine and the branch. 
that coming through the vine is the sap that flows into the branch. And that sap really, you might say, would be the spirit. So Paul has learned in his weakness to literally let the strength of Christ flow into his weakness by the grace of God, that he'd be enabled to do what he needs to do. Here, one of my all-time super-duper favorite promises is Romans 8.28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. That is tremendously encouraging to me. There's no accidents. If something enters into my life, God has permitted it. If he permits a hard thing, a painful thing, he wants to bring good out of that. But here's what's interesting. In a lot of these promises, and I haven't said it before, but listen carefully, to access some of these promises, there are conditions that God has said. And if you don't meet the conditions, I can't give you the promise. There are two conditions. All things work together for good, it says, to those who are called according to his purpose. That means, number one, all things work for good only to Christians. This is not to unbelievers. Okay? To all that are according to his purpose, that means that you're born again. And it says another condition, all things work together for good to those who love God. So, that means it's for a Christian who continues to love God and trust God in the trial and in the tribulation and in the heartache, if we begin to whine and complain like the Israelites, it's not going to work for good. It just isn't. But if we continue to say, Lord, I don't understand why you've allowed this pain, this hard time in my life. But God, I'm trusting you that somehow, some way, you're going to bring good out of this. I believe God will do just that. An amazing promise. That's Romans 8.28. I believe another one of the spiritual blessings that God has put in your blank account and mine is Philippians chapter 4, 11. Paul said, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. So how are you doing that way? How am I doing? Are you content? Okay, think about it. Or am I not content? Am I always frustrated? I, I, I don't have this. I don't have that. Oh, this is wrong. That's wrong. Whatever. Paul says, I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances, because I hear Paul saying, I don't care about the circumstances. If I have Jesus, and I know he loves me, and I love him, and I know he's going to take care of me, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if I live in a palace or if I live in a dungeon. It doesn't matter. My circumstances don't dictate my contentment. My contentment is found on Christ not in the fact that everything goes the way I think it needs to go. That's a, an amazing promise to access, that we might know the contentment that Paul illustrated. Another one, temptation. We read this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. They get it, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 13, it says this, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. God's faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, that you may be able to endure it. 
that promise, God saying, yeah, you may have some heavy temptations banging at the door and they're enticing you. But God's saying there, guess what? No matter what it is, I'll give you the ability to get through the temptation. And he said, there always will be a way of escape if you look for it. So we can never say, God, oh, you just allowed this temptation overwhelming. No, no. According to this promise, God said, you'll have temptations, but I'll never allow them to be so great that you and I together won't be able to overcome them. Okay. <clears throat> Another tremendous promise is the promise of the Holy Spirit. This is in John chapter 16 and verse 7. The Lord says this before he took off and went back to heaven. John 16, 7, he says, I bid I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, that's the spirit, shall not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Amazing promise. We're going to see within him are many other promises. We know very clearly uh, that the Holy Spirit, when he comes and when we really give him an opportunity to be loosed in us, he does some amazing things. Um, it says this in Galatians chapter 5. As you fellowship with the Holy Spirit, as you cooperate with him, as you open your life to him, it says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is a supernatural love. Supernatural joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All those are downloaded into your spiritual account as you get to know the Holy Spirit personally and as you begin to yield to him and work with him. Not only does he give you these fruits, but he also imparts gifts through which you can serve the church and people outside of it. Some of those gifts are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You want a promise. I mean, that's a mind blower. God says, when you give me your life, when you accept Christ as your Savior and Lord, I will give you the greatest gift of all. In a sense, the greatest promise, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and it's amazing uh, because he'll do you a lot of things. Once you get him as a gift, as your inheritance, uh, let me give you a couple of things that he does. In John chapter 14, 26, he promises to teach you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. So do you need teaching? Do you need to, Lord, I, Lord, I don't understand this. Lord, I don't understand what's in the Bible. Help me, help me grasp what I'm trying to read here. Teach me how to get deeper in you. The Holy Spirit will do that. It's a promise of God. It's also uh, a promise that he said, I'll lead you. Uh, this is a great promise in Romans 8, 14. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Or you can put it this way. It's not just sons, daughters. You can reverse it and say the sons and the daughters of God are led by the Spirit. That is your privilege. That's been downloaded into your spiritual bank account. God says, if I've given you the Spirit, if you're open and sensitive He'll speak to you through the word of God. He'll speak to you through circumstances, through people. He'll speak to you through those inner prompting and nudges within you. But God has promised, I'm going to lead you 
I'm going to guide you by my spirit. We're also told uh, in Acts 1 that the Holy Spirit will empower us to be a witness. Acts 1 but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. Amazing. The Holy Spirit says, hey, I'm, I'm powerful. Power is not an intangible force. Power is a person. you got a, an amazingly powerful person, the Holy Spirit in you, who wants to give you a supernatural boldness and a supernatural courage to be able to go into the world and tell people about Jesus. That is literally been deposited. It's an inheritance that you've had through Jesus Christ. It's there, but we have to access that. The Holy Spirit promises to help us pray. Romans 8.26. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. God has given us a promise. You don't know how to pray? Get to know the Holy Spirit. Get to know the burdens he puts on your heart. Get to follow his, his nudges and his leadings as he would have you lift petitions up to the Father. One of the greatest gifts, <clears throat> one of the greatest promises uh, is that God wants to bring us to himself to have an intimate relationship with him. First Peter chapter 3.18, for Christ also suffered once for all, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. That's the whole point. One of the great promises, God wants to bring us to himself through Jesus. That's why Jesus died, not just to wipe away our sins, not just to break our bondages. The primary reason Jesus died is to bring us back into a relationship so that we can have the relationship that Adam and Eve had in the garden. They had this amazing intimate fellowship where they enjoyed the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. If you can get that picture in your mind and your imagination, they had this tremendous love relationship, this closeness. And that's what Christianity is all about. It's not a list of rules. It's a relationship. It's a fellowship with God. It's a dialogue, a give and take. We talk to the Lord. He talks back to us. That promise, 1 Peter 3.18, is that God wants to bring us to himself for relationship. Let me give you one more. And I could go on. They're, they're all over the place. Uh, a tremendous promise of heaven. John eleven twenty five. 25. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. Revelation 21 talks about heaven. Here's a great promise. You want a promise to hang on to? It says, he will be with them. This is about heaven. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning, any crying or pain. They have passed away. Brothers and sisters, what I want you to know today, that you are blessed beyond measure. You are a spiritual, literally, billionaire, spiritually speaking. The question is, do you know it? There's a, a story of what happened to somebody. He went on a cruise, signed up, got on the cruise. If you've ever been on a cruise, in his mind, he thought, when I sign up for the cruise, 
I got the cruise, but I have to provide for my own food. So this guy just didn't have a lot of cash, put all his cash in, got on the cruise, but had no money extra. So he had packed, you know, some crackers, some soups, um, just a couple peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, minimal food. So he's not eating much. Meanwhile, other people are going, if you've ever been on a cruise, I mean, you eat, eat, eat. I mean, wild steak, lobster, all kind of desserts. I mean, other people are having a feast. And this dude is staying in his cabin, eating all the crackers, da, 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 whatever. Cruise ends, he's getting off the boat. Uh, and uh, one of the people there was watching him. And they said, you know, everybody else was eating at this tremendous feast but you always seem to go back to your room and i saw you periodically just pull out the sandwich like why'd you do that and the guy said well i i only had enough money to get the cruise but i didn't have the money to buy the food and the guy that was on the ship directing it said hey don't you know when you got on the cruise it included all your meals and here you are sitting in your room eating crackers you could have had a feast and I think that's a picture of many Christians. You are loaded with spiritual blessings. They're all over the place. Promises are all through the word of God. And many times we live and we starve as Christians when we should be having a feast. So let me just end here. Uh, okay. So how do you appropriate all this stuff? How do you make what's in the bank how do you write the check and withdraw? Well, real quick, it's not overly complex. Number one, you need to pick up the Bible and read it. You're not going to know what's yours unless you know what's in the book. You can't access a promise or a blessing unless you know that it's there. So we need to be reading this book. And you might even want to get, I did that one time. I started to go through the Bible and wrote down the promises. And I, I came up uh, for once that spoke to me, a couple hundred of promises. Okay, Lord, you said this, 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 this. I mean, there's a challenge. You really want something to really do. Sink your teeth in. Read the Bible. And when you see a promise, write it down. So number one, to access and appropriate things, you got to know what the promise is. You got to get in the word. Number two, we need to realize if God said it, if we realize God is faithful, and he really means what he says, that if God said it, then we need to believe it. It's, it's not rocket science. Lord, you made a promise to me, and Lord, I'm trusting you to make it a reality. For instance, uh, I, I said one of the promises that, that God wants us free from bondages, okay? I think what we do is say, okay, Lord, thank you. You want me free from this bondage. Let's say you, you have an alcohol issue. Lord, I, I know you want me free from this bondage of alcohol. Give me wisdom. How, how do you want this? And he may turn to the scripture, and there's a scripture that says, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And what he may understand is, if I get filled with the Spirit, I'm not going to want drunk with wine. I don't need the wine, because the Spirit would be the ultimate high. And as he's asking for wisdom, okay, uh, then the other thing he may need to learn is, okay, maybe I need an accountability person. So I believe God wants to unpack. We need to believe the promises, but say, Lord, how do you want to unpack them to me? I think the third thing we need to realize is we need to be patient. We don't always get the promises snap. You may pray for deliverance. You got the bondage. God could do a miracle. If you have that bondage, we could pray right now, 
and you could leave the zoo and boom, God could do a miracle. Boom, you're free from alcohol. But it may take a bit of time for God to work that out in your life. And that's where I think we need to fight what they say, the good fight of faith, to have patience. Lord, I know you want to do this. The time frame is yours, though. I'm going to trust you that you'll do this promise in the right way in the right time. The other thing I think we need to be realizing is there's conditions to receiving the promises. I talked about all things work together for good. Okay, you had to be a Christian and you had to be trusting God and not complaining and whining. But the two major conditions for receiving all these promises that I talked about is really to trust God. But then here's the biggie, to be obedient. If we're not being obedient, these promises begin to fall apart. Okay? You can't say, Lord, I just want to be content. Lord, I want an abundant life. But at the same point, I want to do what I want to do. I'm doing my own thing. It ain't going to happen. So there are conditions over all of these promises, and that's trust God, and then seek to obey him in, in the details of your life. If you're not willing to do that, then I don't think you're going to have the confidence that God wants to fulfill those. So read your Bible, find the promises, trust him, find out how he wants to make them real, give him time, be patient for God to unfold them. <clears throat> and then last, uh, if you really need a little bit more input, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Here's a great verse. I love this verse. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, and it says this. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Here it is, that we might know the things freely given to us by God. So if you get stuck and you can't figure it out, God has said, I'll give you the spirit and he'll show you what's freely given. He'll unpack this whole thing that I've been trying to talk about today. So brothers and sisters, the Israelites got land, physical land, but you have been given spiritual land a spiritual promised land. And in your bank account spiritually are blessings upon blessings and promises and promises. And my prayer would be you'd be able to access them. So let's pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for the amazing spiritual benefits that you have given to each of us. I pray, Lord, we would not be like the person on the cruise that, that sat there eating crackers uh, because they didn't know that what was included was a, a feast on that trip. So I pray, uh, Lord, that as Christians, we would not be paupers, but Lord, we would be able to be rich spiritually. Uh, Lord, not just for the sake that it makes us happy, but Lord, also that we would bring you glory and honor and people could see in our lives some of the things we saw, contentment, peace, joy, an abundant life. So, Father, uh, just work these things out in us, and I pray for each of us, Lord, help us to receive all, not just some, but all the things that you want to give us. So, Father, we thank you, and we just pray to Jesus in your strong and holy name. Amen. Amen. You folks have a great day. God bless you.